Well, good morning, Westridge. Merry Christmas. Oh, that's nice. I didn't think you'd do that for me. Uh, well, I'm your worst Christmas, not Christmas nightmare. I'm the substitute teacher today. Greg was scheduled to teach, but he's been out of the weather. He's doing better. He had the nerve to show up to this service. I told him I'd just give him my notes and I'd go home, but no, I'm still sick a little bit. So, it's fine. That's how he wants to be, but... Um, if you've been around long enough, it's probably happened to you. We use phrases like, you better wake up and smell the coffee. Or if you're a pastor, you're more likely to say, you better wake up and smell the whiskey. <laughs> we say things like, you're missing the bigger picture. Life is passing you by. You better get a clue. But it wasn't until a man by the name of Joel Barker in the early 90s came out with a book and a video that the phrase paradigm shift came into our everyday vocabulary. And like other common phrases, it's come to mean different things. Essentially, it means a fundamental shift in the way we view life. It's like putting on different lenses, seeing the same thing in a different way. Like the way Galileo rocked the world with his view on astronomy. Or the way Albert Einstein reoriented physics with his theory of relativity. When these men saw things differently, it changed things forever. Our passage this morning from the Bible is a paradigm-shifting one. It shifted the paradigm for Mary, for the world, and for us 2,000 years later. The messenger, as we will soon find out, on Mary's doorstep didn't have a winning lottery ticket in his hand, but his message no doubt sent electrical impulses through Mary's teenage heart. So let's view it one more time. It's a familiar Christmas passage, but let's try to see it with a different set of lens, okay? It's an extended passage, so stick with me on this, all right? Here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name, Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. You're beautiful inside and out. God be with you. And Mary, the Bible tells us, was thoroughly shaken. Some translations say she was greatly troubled, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you've got nothing to fear. God's got a surprise for you. (laughs) You'll become pregnant. And give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great, be called son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. But Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called holy, son of God and Did you know, by the way, that your cousin Elizabeth, she's conceived a son. And she's really an old gal. Everyone called her barren. And here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. 
And Mary said, yep, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. And then the angel left her. How's that for a wake-up call? I don't know what Mary had on her to-do list that day. Probably get registered at the Williams-Sonoma Bridal Registry. Make another payment on those wedding rings that she and Joseph had in layaway. Make sure the rabbi was scheduled for the wedding. Confirm that the wedding was on the synagogue facilities use calendar. Little did she know this morning, God had a wake-up call that would move everything around in her life and leave it forever changed. She'd been thinking about a honeymoon in Hawaii. And now she has thoughts going around her head about getting ready for a nursery. She'd been thinking about a wedding dress, and now she's thinking about maternity clothes. And Joseph, what about Joseph? Us guys get left out all the time, don't we? How about the wake-up call he's going to get? Mary says to him, honey, God's got other plans for our lives. Joseph says, no, no, Mary, we're so right for each other. Don't tell me it's over now. Mary says, no, Joe, it's not over. It's just begun. God has decided to start our relationship by making me pregnant with the Messiah. Joseph says, can we get another God? Sometimes we get wake-up calls. Now, maybe not just like that, though I think in some of your cases, pregnancy would qualify as a wake-up call to this day. But sometimes, like Mary, God's plan for our life may be preceded by what we could call a disruptive event. A disruptive event is basically anything that alters our agenda for a day, maybe the month, could be for years, possibly forever. You wake up with plans for the day, and it gets altered. Does that ever happen to anyone? Maybe it's that jackknife truck on the expressway that runs you five hours late. Maybe it's a sick child at school that calls unexpectedly. Maybe it's your boss telling you, this will be your last Christmas with this company. Or maybe it's a new employer telling you, the job's yours. Maybe it's a doctor calling you into a private room to give you news that will make everything else in your life pale in comparison. Maybe it's more existential than that, but nonetheless real. Like waking up one day and realizing that the dream for the way you wanted life to be is never going to happen. At least not according to your script. Not with your spouse, not with your children, not in this life. And the predictable life you took for granted is turned upside down. Now, you've got two possible responses when disruptive events occur. They are the same choices that Mary had with this rather disruptive event in her life. We can panic. That's rather predictable. We can can grit our teeth and try and run through the disruption. Or we can try and run away from it. Or we can walk around it in denial. Or we can sink into depression and despair. We can just plain give up. And to be fair, the text tells us that Mary was thoroughly shaken. She was greatly troubled by this disruptive event that was not on the agenda, 
that day. So it's okay to be shaken for a little bit. Have a seat. Take a deep breath. Talk to some trusted friends. But here's a better choice for those of us who have faith in God. We can see the possibilities through the disruptive event. We can accept the fact that God has allowed this disruptive event in our life for a reason. I like Peterson's paraphrase from Gabriel. He says to Mary, You're beautiful with God's beauty. You've got nothing to fear. The more experiences that I have, the more I understand. I only understand a minute portion of the way God works. And I learned that God's wake-up calls are really not to be feared. No matter how unexpectedly, untimely, or unusual they appear. Now, God's wake-up calls in our life, they have a couple of elements in common. The first is this. They're always a reminder of His love. And so during this Christmas season, when too often the focus is on competition for the best gifts, maybe we ought to hear Gabriel's message to Mary. You're beautiful inside and out. Now, I know that's not specifically addressed to you, but God said it in other places, and it's just as true for you as it was for Mary. Trouble is, sometimes a disruptive event impairs our hearing. We don't hear as well. And so in your disruptive event, please know it's not God's anger, it's His love you're experiencing. Are you listening right now? You're beautiful inside and out. No, I mean, I mean all of you are. Sometimes Christmas may be the time of year that brings out memories of the worst wake-up calls in our life. Father's drunken rage, family feuds around the holiday table, Reese and I are getting ready to go to Missouri for visit family. And when, when her family gets together and my family gets together, it's sort of like Tony Soprano's family and Homer Simpson's family getting together around a potluck dinner. It's not a pretty picture. Parents divorce, loved one's death. No gifts when it seems like everyone around you has plenty. And so it all bubbles to the surface whenever you smell the hot cider at Christmas time. For me, Merle Haggard's got the loneliest song this time of year. It's simply entitled, If I Make It Through December, Everything's Gonna Be Alright. For some, this is a brutal, not festive month. No celebrating, just trying to endure it. Just trying to survive it. Christmas past memories may leave you cold, or afraid, or unloved. But please, can you hear God through the white noise above the ringing bells, the rustle of wrapping paper. Here's what, he got to, here's what he's got to say to you. Greetings, dear child. I highly prize you. I'm with you. A second element that is contained within every wake-up call is this, and that is a challenge to be a blessing to others. The plans that God deposits on your doorstep do not simply revolve around His love for you alone. God's love doesn't travel down a one-way street. We're blessed to be a blessing. Gabriel's message to Mary described how the Lord would use her to bring about 
God's plan for the world. It was the angel's job to let Mary know what her part was going to be in this thing. Her availability and her obedience would serve as a channel through which God would redeem his fallen world. And you know what? He's given us the same privilege to see his world as he sees it and to cultivate opportunities that he gives us to love other people. And so expect God's wake-up call for you to always point somewhere, somehow, towards serving other people. I probably don't have to tell you, there, there are people in pain, particularly at this time of the year. They run out of tissues before they run out of December. And so I'm asking you to listen to God's wake-up call instead of getting caught up in consumer culture this year. Now, it likely won't be Gabriel delivering the wake-up call. Maybe it's an email. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a text or a tweet. Maybe it's a good old-fashioned piece of paper mail. Maybe it's someone showing up at your door in a disruptive event, and there's a message in it for you, and it's about a whole other level that God wants to take you in your spiritual life. We're living in L.A., and I'm on a 767 back to Chicago to lecture in a seminary. It's one of those flights that's way too packed. And I have the misfortune of being assigned a window seat. I hate window seats. And I'm feeling particularly claustrophobic sitting there. Especially because the flight is so packed. Did I mention? This one's packed. And then, the unimaginable happens. A horrific event occurs. The rather large man sitting in front of me reclines his seat all the way back. His head is so close to my face, I can count the dandruff flakes in his hair. If the CIA wanted to use enhanced interrogation techniques on me, all they'd have to do is sit me in a window seat behind a large man with his seat reclined. I'd tell them whatever they want to know. So I'm trying to read and I'm dozing off off and on during the three and a half hour flight. This particular stretch, I'm sleeping pretty soundly. I'm dreaming of, a, of, of being in a wide open space somewhere in Montana where no one's within a hundred miles of me. And then I'm awakened by this loud laughter. It's coming from several rows behind me. And I think, what now? At first I try to ignore it, expecting it to go away. A few moments pass, and I hear this roar of laughter again. This time, I'm really distracted. I'm trying to sleep. I'm disgusted that once again, I got stuck behind the equivalent of a war criminal in front of me. And there are people with the nerve to be laughing as loud as they can on this packed flight. It was really packed. The laughter is so loud, it's so consistent, I can't go back to sleep. Instead, I lean forward, almost touching the man's head in front of me, and turn around to, to see what's so funny. Now, you've got to visualize what I saw. There are two rows of nuns with headsets on. And they're watching the movie that started while I was asleep. And by their laughter, I can tell they consider George of the Jungle a comedic classic.
And I thought to myself, because of the headsets, this group was transported out of the otherwise crowded and confining circumstances to a place that was much more enjoyable. I saw a frustrating experience. They saw an enjoyable one. They were in the same circumstance as me, but they saw something different. Whether you know it, or you're open to it, or you're ready to receive it, God is on every page of your life. He's sent, and He is sending, wake-up calls your way. He's given you messages in order to shift your paradigm because God knows it needs to be shifted sometimes. The question is, how will we respond when we detect that God has sent us a wake-up call? With panic? We're seeing the possibilities. Mary's response was beautifully simple and simply beautiful. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Can't improve on that. Our miracle will be dependent on our response. Humbly accept what you believe God wants you to do. And then admitting that you need his help to do it. Listen, be willing, be determined, and face the consequences of being misunderstood just like Mary was. And here's one more thing you can do. You can pray this prayer the rest of the month. Dear Lord, I know you're always at work in my life, even when I'm not aware of your presence or activity around me. Please open my eyes and my heart to what you have to say to me through your wake-up calls. Help me to see the wonder of this most holy season as I recognize you in all I do.